The Other Bundesliga podcast is back and the team are here to look through all the Bundesliga teams and transfers ahead of the new Austrian Bundesliga season getting underway in September. very warm welcome to this episode of the other Bundesliga podcast. We're back. It's Tom Midler, Simon Clark and Lee Wingate and we are reunited in the long haul Vienna, Austria, the best place to watch live sports in the capital of Austria. Great place to for food and drink. We've got a couple of beers in front of us and we're ready to talk Austrian football because it's been quite an interesting summer. We haven't uh, met for quite a while with uh, the Austrian Bundesliga being on its summer break. Of course, there have been some summer friendlies, some interesting goings on. Uh, with a lot of different teams. The uh, ÖFB Cup has got underway now. The European qualifiers are just beginning, so uh, the action is, is about to resume. And where better to start for today's podcast than Red Bull Salzburg? And Simon, I'm going to throw this one over your way because I mentioned those preseason friendlies. It was Salzburg v Liverpool. That was one of the big name ones that, uh, that took place involving an Austrian Bundesliga side. And you were there in attendance uh, in, a, in an almost empty stadium or in an empty stadium? Uh, an almost empty stadium. There was 1,250 fans uh, there. It was uh, one of the first games in Austria to have that amount in the stadium. So it was great to be back with, with fans in the stadium. And they were treated to a very, very entertaining friendly, a 2-2 draw. And Patson Dacker with the two goals for Rebel Salzburg. He set Twitter alight with his two goals after th- only 13 minutes. At that point, Salzburg were just tearing Liverpool apart. In fairness, it was Liverpool's for the first preseason friendly, I think, second preseason friendly. Um, and Salzburg were finalising theirs, but Salzburg were, were scintillating in, in the opening half an hour, tearing apart the Premier League champions. And, and Patson Dacker was brilliant. Can I just say, uh, you mentioned uh, Liverpool's first preseason friendly actually was, <laughs> was this game against uh, Stuttgart. And I, I was lucky enough to be in attendance to commentate at that game in Salfelden, home of the fan-owned club, FC Pinskau Salfelden. Got to drop that one in there. Now we do a bit of media work for them. But um, I was commentating on that game and watching Liverpool live up, up close in the hammering rain, it's incredible how quickly they play compared to Austrian football uh, and compared to Austrian Bundesliga teams. That was, a, that was a real tough commentary job. They were so fast. It's so hard to keep, keep track of all their passing. Yes, yeah, different level, but, but Salzburg coped very, very well. And um, they were 2-0 at halftime. It ended 2-2, unfortunately. But um, they, they, they truly proved their worth. You could see that Jurgen Klopp on the sideline he was only about five meters in front of me, and he was just shaking his head at some of the um, at some of the things that uh, Salzburg were doing in the game. It was a huge first appearance uh, for, for me seeing him with Bazuma Soleil, uh, a summer arrival from Olympic Lyonnais, and uh, he is a beast. <laughs> he's he wins everything. He wins every header, every tackle. He's just he's going to be one of one of the standout players of the of the 2020-21 Austrian Bundesliga season and. What a signing for Salzburg. He's going to shore up that defence. Yeah, very young player. A lot of Lyon fans really annoyed that they didn't manage to hold on to him because Lyon want to be sort of securing their own European future after a good season. So uh, maybe Salzburg have potentially got a bit of a steal there. Yeah, they really have. Um, just, I mean, he was playing against Liverpool's famous front three. He was pretty excellent. So you, you can't, <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what better way than producing a performance like that? Although he came on at half-time 
against the Premier League champions and performing like that. I mean, he's going to be uh, a fantastic addition to the, to the Salzburg team. Yeah, elsewhere at uh, Red Bull Salzburg, we had Adamu and Seivald promoted up from FC Liefering. Two interesting players, definitely worth watching. Seivald experienced with a lot of uh, games under his belt as captain of FC Liefering, so uh, definitely a good head on his shoulders. And Adamu, I'm really hoping that Adamu up front for Liefering after some outstanding goals and some brilliant performances, some great stats last season for Liefering. I'm really hoping that he can make an impact this season and perhaps get even more of a chance than uh, Karim Adeyemi got when he made a similar move from Liefering to Salzburg halfway through last season. Yeah, he was very impressive when he came on off the third bench. So much activity, so lively, he's so quick. And yeah, I think Adamu is also going to be a standout player for Salzburg this season. And one of their main men up front, of course, Pats and Dakar. You mentioned those two goals in quick succession in the game against Liverpool. But uh, Daka was in the shadow a little bit of Haaland for the first half of last season, but he really took it in his stride. Second half uh, became the main man for Salzburg. But there are rumours, however, that Salzburg might lose Pats and Daka over the summer to uh, none other than Manchester United. Lee, I know you've uh, had a bit of a look into that potential transfer. I feel that that's all they may be, rumours. Um, I've had a look at some of the reports. The Manchester Evening News is citing a report from The Sun, which, frankly, I don't think anyone sets too much store by. However, I do think it could potentially work from a sporting perspective and from a financial one. I think we know that, that Dakar likes to play this fast game on the defender's shoulder with lots of runs in behind and, and clever finishes. I think when you look at the dynamism and the attacking verve that the Manchester United play with, I think he would be a good fit. I think he would fit seamlessly into that attacking line. And from a financial point of view as well, of course, with the coronavirus going on, that means that even the big clubs have less money to spend right now. So... That could be a cheaper alternative to some other potentially more expensive deals for, for Manchester United to bolster their forward line. And United missed out on a, an RBS striker only at Christmas time when Erling Haaland snubbed them for Dortmund. So maybe they'll get this one. Uh, looking further on, I mentioned that the European qualifying was uh, getting underway in Austrian football. And Salzburg haven't started in that yet. They go straight in at the playoff stage for the Champions League qualifiers. That's over two legs. All the other qualifiers over, uh, over one leg at the moment, given the coronavirus situation. But the Champions League playoffs are over two legs. And uh, the draw has been made. So Salzburg know that they will face either Maccabi Tel Aviv of Israel or Dinamo Brest of Belarus over two legs uh, at the end of September. And there's no two ways about it. That tie will be make or break for Salzburg. And they've got a history, remember, of many, many years, a decade and more of failure to qualify for the Champions League. They were gifted an automatic place last year. They certainly took advantage of it. Are they good enough now, Lee, to, uh, to get through and withstand this nervous qualifier this time? It was one of the famous curses of football for a while, wasn't it? I think every season between 2013 and 19, Salzburg fell at the qualification hurdle. Some of the teams they lost to as well, Dudelange of Luxembourg, Malmo twice, Dinamo Zagreb and Rijeka, both of Croatia, and then painfully on away goals, Red Star Belgrade. But I think they put that behind them and showed that they do have Champions League pedigree with that performance in the group stages last season. And I think that will hold them in good stead when it comes to qualifying this time because they know that they're good enough. And so, although I may come to regret this statement, I don't really foresee any problems for them, especially against either of those two sides. It would be regarded as a spectacular failure were they to be knocked out by Dinamo Brest or Maccabi Tel Aviv this season. So we hope that doesn't happen and we hope for another great year of Champions League football in Salzburg. And uh, we don't want to see Napoli again, though, do we? We're fed up in Napoli. No, we've seen them in the Europa League and the Champions League. No more Napoli.
give us somebody fresh. We want some new teams coming to Austrian football, please, in, the, in, in European competition. Let's move down to second place. Rapid Vienna were second last season. Slightly fortuitous to finish in second, in fact, given the uh, penalties for Lask and, uh, you know, they got points taken away and stuff. So, so Rapid, they took on, uh, they, they inherited a bit of a chance to finish second and they did capitalise on that to, to become the runners-up. That's sort of the best that most teams can hope for in Austrian football. And their Champions League qualifying has already started. They went in at the second round. They drew against Lok Zagreb of Croatia. Difficult tie. And I think it's safe to say the Croatians didn't get a lock in. Terrible. Terrible. Can I just add that this is actually the second time we're recording this pod due to a technical malfunction. And I tried to make a pun about Dinamo Brest that was met with even more disgust from you two. So I'll take that. There was just a, a mild frown there. Go on, Lee. Do the, do the Dinamo Brest pun again. No, the moment's passed. <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. Um, so lock is Zagreb. Rapid Vienna won 1-0 away in Zagreb. That was an absolute must-win tie for them. If Salzburg's must-win ties in the playoffs, Rapid Vienna have already had theirs, and they already got through it because there's a massive difference with this. For Rapid Vienna in the second round of Champions League qualification, if they won that game against Locke, which they did, that meant that Europa League group stage football is guaranteed. That's a security for Rapid Vienna, massive security. Six guaranteed European ties, a real season, a proper season of European football that's so important for Rapid Vienna. Um, and although they've still got two more ties to get through if they're going to get to the Champions League group stages, I think many people, myself included, would see that as probably a bit beyond their limits, you know, even if they did make it there. And I feel like they'd be more at home in the Europa League. So I'm really happy that they beat Locke. And it was a great tale as well, Erchan Kara playing uh, just 16 months ago in the third division of Austrian football at Mauerwerk, got promoted to Horn in the second division, got promoted quickly from there to Rapid Vienna, and then scoring on his debut in European competition. A brilliant story for Erchan Kara. Rapid, though, with that, my, my thoughts on this were, if they got to the Europa League group stage, which they've, which they've done, and then had a good run, they'd end up kind of financially better off than this sort of unlikely run to the Champions League group stages in qualifying. We asked people on our Twitter and we said, look, would you rather that Rapid got through all these ties that are ahead of them? Um, they've still got to beat Ghent away and then play Azad Alkmaar or Dinamo Kiev. So they've got a chance, but uh, still a long road ahead to the Champions League. I thought given their, their, probably th th their respective abilities, it might be better actually for Rapid to just be in the Europa League group stages and maybe they'd even come out with more money that way. But Lee, you did a bit of digging into the figures, didn't you? And, and, and it turns out I'm not right on that. Well, I think the fans are very much in two minds. It depends what the priority is here. If it's sporting, and in that sense, perhaps they would want to put a run together in the Europa League, or if it's financial concerns. And the Champions League is simply a, a different animal. If you look at some of the figures that you get in, in prize money for group participation in the Champions League, 15.25 million euro compared to 2.9 million in the Europa League. A group win in the Champions League, 2.9 million compared to 570,000 in the Europa League. A group draw, 900,000 in the Champions League, 190,000 in the Europa League. And for reaching the last 16 of the respective competitions, 9.5 million in the Champions League and 1.1 million for the Europa League. So if we sort of do a bit of number crunching and work out a couple of scenarios here, it really highlights the, the financial difference it would make to Rapid, especially in a season where Corona has happened and they've lost some sponsors as well. A group participation in the Champions League plus one solitary win, which I think even Austria-Vienna managed back in 2013, didn't they, when they were in the competition, that would net them 
18.15 million euro, which is just stratospheric for a club like Rapid. Whereas in the Europa League, if they got into the group and won all six of their group games, plus got through the round of 32 and to the round of 16, that would only bring them 7.92 million in comparison. I say only, obviously that's huge money, but it does show you the difference between the Champions League and the Europa League. In any case, a great season ahead, potentially for, for Rapid in Europe. They'll be really, really happy to be there. But before they get there, uh, they're still in Champions League qualification. Ghent away, Azed Alkmaar or Dinamo Kiev up next. What do you make of their chances, Simon? Well, I think winning that game against Lokativa Zagreb was like winning a cup final. They're, they're assured of Europa League group stage uh, football. However, they've been given the, the two easiest ties, for the want of a better phrase, because to, to be three games from the Champions League with those potential opponents, it's a potential thing that can happen now, you know? If they had been drawn against uh, uh, a team like Benfica, you'd, you'd give them no chance. But with this draw, I think um, Rapid have a slight, slight chance and we'd all love to see that happen. Yeah, it's a difficult one to communicate that online because what we're really saying is that Rapid are... Still the outsiders, be in no doubt about that. We're definitely saying they're the outsiders, but at the same time, they've got the easiest possible draw that they could have got whilst still being outsiders. So uh, hopefully they can, they can do something there. Ghent away first, that's going to be an interesting one, but the fallback is massive. Just looking quickly at their signings, they've lost Schwab this summer. We've talked about that a lot. He went to Pauk in, uh, in Greece. They could have drawn Pauk in the uh, second round of Ch- Champions League qualification, but they've avoided him, and they've avoided him for the potential future as well. So uh, it's probably best for everyone involved with Rapid that no, no tie against Stefan Schwab, their former captain, is going to come in. But um, Funtas, top scorer last season, such a key man for Rapid Vienna in that run to second place. There's still rumours that uh, Stuttgart or perhaps Atalanta are going to take him off Rapid's hands. Depends whether Stuttgart sell Nicolas Gonzalez to somebody like Leeds. But... Uh, Rapid will be desperate for Funtas not to leave so late on in the summer, won't they? I think now he's very much one of their key players going forward. Uh, responsible, for, I think, was their top scorer last season as well. But I think his, uh, I think it's safe to say his advisors or his, his team have been putting out some feelers about a potential move in a way that's not gone down so well with the, the Rapid hierarchy. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens with that one. I hope he stays. Yeah, he definitely got his head down, though, because Rapid Vienna got off to a good start in the first round of the Austrian Cup last week. They beat uh, St. Johann 5-0, and uh, Funtas did get a hat-trick in that, actually. So, not a bad start, at least. Still uh, still active. Funtastic. Funtastic. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and uh, Demir, I was really impressed by Yusuf Demir. He was sort of rumoured for a move away as well. Rapid in all sorts of financial strife at the moment, and uh, people thought they might cash in on Yusuf Demir, but... He's a real talent, and I hope he sticks around. It looks like he will stick around for this season. The uh, youngster made a real impact in that cup game too. So let's move down the table to Wolfsberger Adse, the side who finished third last season. That guaranteed them Europa League football as well for next season. They had a great run last year in the Europa League or a great group stage campaign. They'll have a chance to do it all again, which is historic stuff really for a side of the stature of Wolfsberger Adse. So uh, brilliant for them to finish third. But uh, a lot of changes a lot of changes to their side, uh, including some, some big transfers out of the club this, uh, this summer. I think obviously the big news has to be star striker Sean Weissman, the top scorer in the Bundesliga last season with, I think, 30 goals, was it? 29 or 30 goals? 30 goals, Simon says. Um, leaving to go to Real Valladolid in, in Spain, currently uh, the president of, of which is 
the Brazilian Ronaldo. And I think it just is a, it's a marvellous story for Sean Weissman. Simon linked us to a, a Twitter post the other day by the Israeli journalist Oren Josipovich. Not sure I've pronounced that right. But he was talking a little bit about Weissman's background and where he's come from to get here. And he said in his Twitter post that, that Weissman did not sleep on a bed for the first time until he was 18 years old. Such was his poor background in Israel. And he used to help his mum do her, her cleaning job. And his, his dream was to buy her a bottle of perfume for her 50th birthday. Now he's, you know, being coveted by Brazilian Ronaldo, got a move to one of the, the top leagues in the world. And, you know, we wish him every, every success. And I'm sure he won't forget this year at Wolfsburg because, you know, it's made him. Yeah, they're uh, looking to uh, a few players to, uh, to kind of fill that gap. And uh, it's going to be really difficult, though, because they've also lost Romano Schmidt, key player last season. He's gone back to Werder Bremen. They're looking at bringing in uh, Dario Witzinger from Celia in Slovenia. That's a potential one. But Jojic as well, Milos Jojic, he looked really good. Miguel Vieira didn't quite make the same impact in defence, but Jojic had a really good run in the midfield for Wolfsburg, I'd say, last season. And they've both gone back uh, after the end of their loans to uh, Basak Shahir. So it's going to be quite difficult but um, I'm looking to players like Matthias Taferna that they brought in. He's a, a former Wacker Innsbruck hero, just a, a real young talent in Austrian football who moved away sort of surprisingly to Dinamo Dresden. But they've had all sorts of troubles. Dresden have been relegated down to their third tier in Germany and uh, Taferna has ended up back in. You know, they've taken a chance on him, bringing him back to his homeland and uh, Wolfsburger have brought him in, the, um, the youngster. So Taferna is definitely one to look out for this season. And uh, Dejan Jovalic from Eintracht Frankfurt is, uh, is somebody I'm looking out for. We know about Wolfsburg bringing in kind of unfancied strikers who've yet to break through. And we saw what Weissman did last season. So maybe Jovalic is one to look for to, uh, to kind of repeat this, this run of Weissman last season. I'd like to think so, but if I can make a prediction, and I'm sure we'll do a more detailed season and preview pod at some point, but I think Wolfsburg are really going to struggle this season, and I think they're going to finish in the bottom six. So putting it out there now, it's a big claim. We know not to write Wolfsburg off. You did that at your peril uh, with the, the Europa League prediction side last, last September, but I, I feel like I'm, I'm going to stake, stake my claim and, and say that they're going to really struggle. Personally, I think I have to challenge that. I think... Uh uh, the, 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 the type of football they play, very attacking, very open. I feel like any striker worth his salt can score plenty of goals. I think they won't finish third, maybe a fourth or fifth this season will be, because they have to cope with the Europa League as well. And, you know, last season it did kind of derail them a little bit around when they're playing Europa League games. But, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, over the course of the season, they held up really, really well, though. So perhaps a difficult season on the cards then for Wolfsburg after so many key players departing, not least Sean Weissman, of course. But uh, they did start off with a win, at least in the cup, didn't they? Yeah, but it wasn't convincing. It was a 5-2 after extra time win against an Oisedel Amse, uh, a team which we've we seen live. <laughs> we've been to Oisedel Amse. They're in the third tier. And yeah, I mean, a team that finished third last season... Uh, going to extra time against a third division team in their first game back, it's not hopeful, really. Yes, uh, not a great start in the cup, but at least they got through. Let's move down to Lask, another team who did get through in the cup round one. They beat Siegendorf 3-0 in absolutely torrential rain in round one. And they had a few new players on display as well. And one of them even got on the score sheet because they have brought in Andreas Gruber from Mattersburg, the, the now defunct Mattersburg club. We'll uh, probably bring you a bit more news of this over the rest of this podcast. But various Mattersburg players obviously now spreading out around the Football League. And probably the best one from last season, 
if you ask me anyway, the, the most, uh, most impressive Mattersburg player was Andreas Gruber. I was hoping that somebody good would pick him up for himself and for that club. And I'm, I'm glad that Lask have got it because uh, that, that could be a really good move for them. So he started off with a goal on his debut. But uh, Lask have lost Joao Klaus up front. That could be a big departure for them. He's gone back at the end of his loan spell to Hoffenheim in the German Bundesliga and uh, got on the score sheet as well, I think, for Hoffenheim in his, in his first game, was it? Yeah, I think they had a double friendly against Mainz. He played in the second one and he scored the opening goal. So nice start for him there. Yeah, we wish Joao Klaus really well in, uh, in Germany after a good run with Lask last season. Uh, Dominic Frieser has left as well. Another key player in that attacking trio for, uh, for Lask last year. He's gone to Barnsley. But Peter Michel has stayed. Lask have also brought in Alexander Schmidt, a really promising young striker, key to the uh, UEFA Youth League win of Red Bull Salzburg just a few years ago. I think he might have scored the winner in the final, actually, Alexander Schmidt. And uh, he's been out on loan. He was on loan at Wolfsburg last season, didn't really break through and make an impact there. He's gone back to Salzburg. Now he's with Lask on loan again. So uh, another chance for them to sort of replace their their Salzburg loan signing up front with, with Tete having left. Uh, they've also brought in a bit of a hard man, Lucas Gergic from VSG Tyrol. Um, we've seen Mads Emil Madsen, Karamoko, Chiberko. They've probably been one of the most active sides in terms of bringing in potentially exciting players, haven't they? Yeah, quite a bit of overhaul to their squad and a new manager on top of that with Dominic Talhammer taking over. Of course, he had his first game in charge at Old Trafford, no less, in the Europa League um, delayed round of 16 second leg. Um, it's been interesting to see that, that Lask have really invested in a lot of uh, youth in this transfer window. So they've brought in those three players you mentioned at the end there, Tom. Uh, Madsen, Chiberko and Karamoko, uh, a central defender, central midfielder and centre forward respectively. So a new spine of the team. And they've done that for a, a combined fee of 1.25 million. And that's all the money they've spent on transfers this summer. So when you think that based on those numbers I was... Um, going over earlier uh, for Rapid Vienna. Last probably made between six and eight million in the Europa League last season. So these are tiny figures that they've spent. And when you consider that Frieza was sold to Barnsley for 800,000, that's a net spend of just under half a million. So not too bad at all, really. Yeah, let's look at uh, Lask's potential in Europa League qualifying as well, because they probably should have finished second last season. I would go out on a limb and say that they were the second best side in the league over the course of the year. You know, they did run Salzburg close for quite a long time. We can't really forget that. But um, in the end, they finished fourth. They slipped down the table. And that means that they're still in the, the kind of earlier stages of Europa League qualifying. So they've still got a couple of games ahead of them, I believe. What about their draw? Uh, it looked like a, a relatively good draw on paper, didn't it? Yeah, so they've been drawn in the, as you say, the Europa League qualifiers against either Jablonek of the Czech Republic or Strader of Slovakia. I'm not even going to try and pronounce the first part of their name. Maniska. What he said. Who are ranked respectively. So Jablonek are 165th in the UEFA coefficient. I know you love a bit of coefficient talk, Tom, so I thought I'd throw that in there. And Strader aren't even on the club coefficient ranking list, so... Lask in 106th place will definitely be the favourites to get through that tie. Yeah, definitely hoping for another Austrian team to uh, get, it, get through to the European group stages and guarantee some, some more big European ties and perhaps even go on a run like they did last year. They won't be a surprise underdog this time, but uh, they're still capable of a lot. Talking of a team who would be a surprise underdog, though, in Europa League qualifying at least, that is Hartberg. They've drawn the kind of 
tie of their history, they've got Piast Gliwice of Poland away in Europa League qualifying round two. Gliwice, who won the Polish League, the Extra Klasse, just a couple of seasons ago, really surprisingly. Hartberg, who incredibly made it into the top six last season in Austria, and uh, even more impressively, Marcus Schopside finished fifth, won the playoff, got their way into the Europa League qualifying. What is awaiting them there, and, and what could we possibly hope for from a side like Hartberg? Just brilliant that they're even here. Yeah, it's the biggest game in their history, um, playing a very tough side, actually, uh, former Polish champions only a couple of years ago. But if they win that, they have an either, even tougher uh, tie against Eva. IFK Gothenburg, who have won the UEFA Cup back in the day, uh, or FC Copenhagen, who were quarter-finalists last season, and they lost uh, a very close game against Manchester United. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> if Hartberg can make the group stage, I will do something crazy. I'm not going to say anything now, because I'll, I'll be held for, for it. But I just don't see any way that they're getting through these games. If, if they beat uh, Piesz Glavici, then um, amazing. But they're, they're not going to beat Copenhagen. They're just not. But it'd be a great experience. Yeah, chance to write some European history, whatever happens. Just thinking on the spot, what about wearing a pair of Liverpool underpants for a week? Never. <laughs> <laughs> um, Hartberg, though, I'm a bit worried about Hartberg because Marcus Schopp did such a brilliant job last season. But I look at some of the players that they've lost... Jodel Dossou's gone to Clermont in France. David Cancela, he's left the club. Uh, Rasvald has left. Amadou Dante has gone back from his loan at Sturm Graz. Some of those players were really big figures. I mean, they've kept hold, though, somehow. They've managed to keep hold of Riker Rep. They've kept hold of Dario Tadic. So can we say that the, the core of their squad has remained, or are they going to suffer from those departures? I think they'll definitely suffer from some of those departures. Like you said, there's some, some big names for Hartberg there, but there's been a, a significant overhaul, 11 players going out and 11 players coming in. So it's really going to be a new look side next season, which you know, is not really what you want going into the biggest game in your history. You want continuity and you want to build on what you did last season. So as much as I'd love to see them uh, in the Europa League, I feel that for this new look Hartberg side, it might be a bridge too far. Yeah, I'll be looking to Samson Tijani, who's been brought in by Red Bull Salzburg this summer and loaned straight out to Hartberg. That might be a good opportunity for Tijani to bed himself into Austrian football and it might be a big one for Hartberg as well if they can rely on a talented young uh, Salzburg player to help them. Golner is a, a really experienced defender from Wolfsburg. He was a kind of second string uh, centre-back for Wolfsburg every time they had somebody out with injury or every time somebody was banned in that back four. And, and he did really well, Golner. So he's a really experienced face coming in at Hartberg. That's a good move. Ertelthaler in the midfield is uh, another of the Mattersburg people who've found a home in the Austrian Bundesliga. And uh, Borna Petrovic from Dinamo Zagreb is a player who, I've got to admit, we don't really know anything about. You know, a lot of these players moving over here, you know, it remains to be seen how they do. So Borna Petrovic, we're hoping for big things and uh, we're hoping for another season as, uh, as good as last season for Hartberg and for, for Marcus Schopp. The last team in the top six last season was Sturm Graz. And they've had a bit of an interesting time, haven't they? Uh, they're another team, actually, we didn't mention Hartberg, got a massive win. I think they won 7-0 in the first round of the Cup, didn't they, Hartberg? Sturm Graz won 8-0. So uh, two Bundesliga sides cruising through. What do you make? You know, we've got this transfer list in front of us. What do you make of some of the ins and outs for Hartberg, for Sturm Graz, sorry? Well, I think... 
the first name really is recognisable for anyone that follows Austrian football, and that's Francisco Mwepu, who's joined from Cafu Celtic. His brother, of course, is Enoch Mwepu, the Zambian defensive midfielder for Red Bull Salzburg. So I think that Mama Mwepu is going to have some tough decisions to make when it comes to watching those two teams against each other next season. Uh, you mentioned the Mattersburg exodus. Andreas Kuhn is probably going to be a, an astute signing for them as well. Uh, Sangro Ingelic from St. Poten. There's quite a few. I think Goran Stankovic, the defender, signed from Huddersfield quite some time ago. That doesn't feel like a, a new one. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's quite, a few, quite a few promising signings there. Yeah, and we talked from the Hartberg perspective about Amadou Dante as well. We didn't really know too much about him at the beginning of last season, but Dante had a great season for Hartberg. So that's a kind of exciting player that Sturm Graz have brought in. The outs, of course, Kirill Despidov. We mentioned him earlier on in the summer, but Despidov's gone back to Cagliari. That's a big loss, no doubt about that. Thorsten Reicher as well, a pretty solid performer for Sturm. He's gone back to Ingolstadt. Plenty of other players leaving as well. Tassos Avalonitis. Sad to see him go, a, a, big, uh, a big social media user. So if you're out there listening, Tassos will miss you in Austrian football. Good luck for the rest of your career. And I'm a bit surprised that uh, Sakic has been allowed to go to, uh, to Aris Saloniki and Isaac Donkor, who had a few errors, but looked like a really exciting young, uh, young defender for me. And I, I thought Donkor was one of Sturm's more exciting players. So I'm surprised that, that they've let him go. I'm sure wherever he's gone, he'll be getting red cards every week. <laughs> a lot of red cards at the back for um, Sturm Graz last season. Let's whiz through some of the teams in the bottom six. Probably the biggest name of those and the one with the most uh, interest around them is Austria-Vienna. The return of Peter Stöger, the coach who won the Bundesliga with them uh, not that long ago. And the, the last side, in fact, to win the Bundesliga that wasn't Red Bull Salzburg. That was the Austria-Vienna-Peter Stöger combination. And uh, he's back. So what do we think about the prospects for Austria-Vienna? At least they've been spared the uh, chance of playing in a, a low-rate Europa League qualifier and getting beaten by some absolute nonsense team over two legs, which they've done for the past few seasons. So we don't have to watch Sturm or Austria-Vienna struggle to an absolutely rank defeat in qualifying this year. Go on, put a name on that claim. Who would be a nonsense football team for Austria-Vienna to lose to in your eyes? You're going to anger some fans of some, you know, yeah, some, I presume some... Uh, I don't know. You're going to anger somebody. Cyprus, yes. <laughs> I reckon Seduva it would have been this year. They, they, Austria, I, I see it now. It would be at home, Austria-Vienna 1, Seduva 3, and then they would have gone out. Sounds like a biotech startup. <laughs> Who else? Who else could they have lost to? Oh, God. Um, ammonia. <laughs> ammonia Nicosia. I don't know. But yeah, they have a track record. But thankfully this season, they've had a, they've had a clean preseason. And, and they have Peter Stroger. Uh, in charge, the former Borussia Dortmund manager, um, also former champion player and manager with Austria Vienna. So, Austria Vienna fans are very happy, and I feel like the, the, the whole the whole uh, general feeling about, about the club is much more positive than it was last season. Because um, last season was was a travesty, <laughs> to put it lightly. Um, Austria Vienna should not be finishing in the bottom uh, bottom six for sure, and they've made some good signings. Uh, Marcus Sutner from Fortuna Dusdorf is a very astute signing and getting a, a player like Alan Togerman back on loan from Wisla Krakow uh, is also very good as well and uh, of course we would be amiss if we didn't talk about Eric Palmer Brown uh, our favorite American defender in Austria and he, he follows us and we, we like him a lot he's staying in Vienna his loan from Manchester City uh, has been extended for another year he impressed uh, sometimes 
last season. So we're happy that Eric Palmer Brown is staying in the team. But some of the uh, some of the outgoings: Alexander Borkovic going to Hoffenheim, which is a, a decent loss. James Jago going to Aris Saloniki, and players like Andreas Poulsen returning on loan to Borussia Mönchengladbach. So some ins and outs, but I think all positivity at the Generali Arena. Just to comment on that Alexander Borkovic move to Hoffenheim. So I do some work for Hoffenheim. So I've been translating some articles this week about him. He's not actually joined their first team. He's joined their under-23s, which makes you think, is the balance of power between Germany and Austria so skewed now that it's worth leaving a storied club like Austria Vienna to play in the under-23s at Hoffenheim? I, th- I think that's a bit, bit disappointing. You filled a lot of information in for me there, though, Lee, because I was absolutely shocked to see when Hoffenheim came in for Alexander Borkovic because, honestly, Austria Vienna were naff last season and Borkovic was not great. So I was really surprised to see that he's gone to a German Bundesliga side and knowing that he's gone to their sort of reserves slash under-23s makes a hell of a lot more sense. I could have jumped over Suttner, but um, English fans might know him from his spell in England at Brighton and Albion. But he's also a, le- a legend at Austria Vienna, um, over 200 games for the club. So not only do they have Peter Stoger coming back, but they also have Suttner coming back. So that's uh, um, as, as a, some extra glee at uh, the Generali Arena. Yeah, you mentioned that that was an astute signing. And I think that's a really good one in terms of bringing in some, uh, a bit of feel-good factor to Austria Vienna, a club that really, really need it. Elsewhere, James Jego, uh, sort of a big player in the midfield last few years. Uh, he's gone, the Australian. We've lost one of the Australian midfielders in the Austrian Bundesliga. He's gone to Aris Saloniki. Um, and uh, yeah, you mentioned Poulsen, the other one of the loanees at the back for Austria Vienna, who left. Maybe one of the Mattersburg exodus, David Nemet, a young defender. I really like Nemet. Hope he does end up at Austria Vienna. Um, who knows? They, uh, they did go through in the Cup as well. 5-0, another Bundesliga team to record a comfortable win. They beat SC Retz in the first round of the Cup. So they fulfilled their duties in that one, at least. Going on further down the league from last season, Altac, um, probably more interesting outgoings than incomings. Christian Gebauer left to Arminia Bielefeld. I commentated on them recently. I did see Christian Gebauer back in action. Um, Diakite has gone back to Salzburg, but his time was, was sort of ruined by injury, unfortunately, with Altac. Filalba never really settled. Looked like a good, uh, good loan signing, Filalba, coming in uh, on loan from Mönchengladbach. Never really settled. Uh, didn't have a great place, a uh, solid place in the Altec lineup, so they probably won't miss him too much. You can't say they were relying on his goals. But Sidney Sam is somebody who they were relying on last season, so unfortunately, Sidney Sam has left. What about uh, some of the players that they brought in? Well, for me, uh, Tino Casali, the goalkeeper from Mattersburg, uh, he had a couple uh, stand-up performances last season. But he's important to me because he's in the same class at school as my girlfriend in Corinthia. So I look out for Tino Casali's career. <laughs> but they've brought in uh, Nana Kofi Abil on loan from a, a, a Ghanaian Premier League team. And they posted on, uh, uh, on uh, Twitter as well, which is a nice message for, for wishing him well. So that was cool. But yeah, I think Altac, the players they brought in are not like, particularly impressive. So I think they might struggle this season. Yeah, Mario Stefel coming in from Horn, hoping to follow in the footsteps of Erchankara, who was promoted from Horn and now scoring goals in Europe. But uh, that remains to be seen. They didn't get a chance to be one of the other Bundesliga sides to record a big win in the first round of the Cup because their game against Union Gurdon was postponed due to COVID-19, of course. Plenty of that expected, unfortunately, in the next few months of Austrian football. We'll just have to deal with it. Um, it's rattling through the next few sides who finished down at the bottom of the Bundesliga last season. St. Pölten. What am I looking forward to there with St. Pölten? 
Oh, I mentioned Alexander Schmidt that came in. Uh, Lask signed Alexander Schmidt from Salzburg and then loaned him out to St. Pilton. So that's an interesting one. Halper, a player who I've always really liked at Mattersburg, he's found his way to St. Pilton as well. So he's another of the uh, former Green and Whites who've been spread across the Bundesliga. Uh, Dorhugi just has a great name. So uh, he's coming from Petar Tikva. Who else are we looking at in there? In the outgoings, a few well-known names in the outgoing side of things. Kwang Ryong Pak, our favourite North Korean, everybody's favourite North Korean, has left through uh, visa issues. Sandra Inglich, we mentioned he's gone to Sturm Graz. Corey Burke, they did rely on his goals quite a few times. A surprising loan signing from Philadelphia Union. Corey Burke's left. Christoph Clara's gone back to Southampton. So uh, a bit of a, a fresh look. And uh, Dominic Hofbauer, Michael Ambichel as well. Two players who were kind of mainstay of that St. Pelton side. So they'll be missing uh, a lot of regular players next season. They did record their, uh, their duty in the first round of the Cup as well. They beat Wolfsburg, but not the Bundesliga Wolfsburg, the other side from the small village of Wolfsburg. Uh, they beat them 3-1 to go through to the second round of the Cup. What about Admira Wackermerdling? Anybody want to take over for them? I'm loving the fact that they've signed Phoenix Dominique Missy Tomp and Felix Keko Undifor II from <laughs> Augsburg's second team. Absolutely brilliant. I don't know anything about those players, but you better believe I'm looking out for what Phoenix Dominique Missy Tomp can do in the, uh, the colours of Admira this season. Definitely one of the best shirts in the division as well. Interesting, of course, to see the, uh, the veteran Stefan Meyerhofer come in as well after his one season at VSG Tirol. Probably thought he was going to get relegated to the VSG Tirol jump ship. And as it stands, VSG Tirol are still, by virtue of Mattersburg's bankruptcy, in the Bundesliga. But it'll be interesting. I think that, that guy's just going to be around forever, isn't he? We're going to be doing the other Bundesliga pod in the 2031-32 season. And a 51-year-old Stefan Meyerhofer is just going to have signed for, I don't know, who's going to be in the division by then? Someone random. Esval <laughs> Horn, yeah. Yeah. I think Miura, the Japanese striker, is literally that old. So there is form for this. If Stefan Miura can, if Stefan Meyerhofer can emulate Miura, he could still be playing at that age. Yeah, I mean, he's not one to rely on speed anyways. He's just a big target man. So he could be standing there into, into old age. Um, in terms of outgoings, I think Marcus Pink played pretty well for Admira last season. Um, anyone else that stands out there? Ah, of course. Uh, Sinan Bakish has left for Dutch side Heracles Almelo. What a name. But he scored so many goals for them last season. And I know that in the season running, he didn't play that often because I think he had a slight falling out with the coach at the time. But he was definitely their best player last season. Yeah, I'll be looking to um, a few others there. Kolya Push left the club. So another of the teams to have a mass clear-out. Uh, basically, all of the bottom six have had big clear-outs. But uh, maybe Dominic Prokop is going to come in from Austria-Vienna to replace Collier Push. And I think if they could do that, that would be a bit of smart business from Admira. Because I think Prokop is one of the players who was actually, you know, had quite a lot of potential in a bad season for Austria-Vienna. So I'd like to see that. But at the moment, we're looking at a, a front strike force for Admira of uh, Erwin Hoffer and Stefan Meyerhofer. And their combined age must be just shy of 80 so <laughs> so so I'm not expecting too much from them this season uh, they did go through in the first round of the cup though in Venice with a 3-0 win away at Hertha Vez so they got their job done too Reed, the promoted side in 11th anybody standing out for you at Reed? we have to be honest obviously Reed playing in the second division last season we don't know their players quite as well as we do um you know, for, for the other Bundesliga sides. But does anybody stand out in, in the, the sort of ins and outs for, for SV Reed? 
That doesn't look right. It looks like they've signed a player from Barnsley. I thought Barnsley was signing every Austrian under the sun. Technically, he was actually out of contract at Barnsley, so it counted as a, an, a free agency, but he was playing for Barnsley before. Yeah, Samuel Sahin Radlinger, what a mouthful that name is. A goalkeeper, I believe, who's now joined Esfar uh, Reid. I think he's like quite famous also as a, as a, a kind of a promi, they call it here, you know, like a, a celebrity, because he's got a famous wife, and they're, they're kind of well-known in the you know, Austrian celebrity status thing. So we'll look, we'll look out for him. Fair. Um, in terms of their other incomings and outgoings, I don't recognise too many names. Luca Meisel from uh, RB Salzburg, who I think was part of the Red Bull Salzburg Youth League winning team in 2017. Uh, let's have a look at the possibles. You made a long list of possible ins there. I don't recognise a single player on that list. So should we move down to uh, to their cup result? Yeah, why not? Uh, they, uh, they did get a victory, albeit only on penalties, against Gleisdorf. So literally translated as platform village <laughs> platform village well they kept reed honest for a long time it looked like a really bad start to reed's bundesliga season but uh, they did scrape through we wish them the best of luck in the bundesliga this season and uh, i'm looking forward to seeing them they bring with them a lot of fans so if they're allowed to they're going to contribute a lot to the bundesliga this season and i'm looking forward to it one team who doesn't contribute that much in terms of <laughs> <laughs> in terms of fans at least is vsk tirol poor old vsk tirol Go back to Vattens. Play your football in Vattens, please. They're not allowed to. They have to play in Innsbruck in this big stadium, which is always empty. What are VSG Tirol going to do? And how difficult is this to approach a season where you got relegated, all your players were out of contract because you got relegated, and then months later you find out that you haven't got relegated because Mattersburg have folded, and now all your players sort of still have contracts? That's really difficult, isn't it? Absolutely. Lots of uncertainty surrounding them, but they've still been fairly active in the transfer market. A few incomings there. Um, oh no, even more incoming, sorry, I've been looking at the wrong column. I think that's just because I found out that I just got my new flat confirmed, so I'm not really, foc <laughs> not re not really too focused towards the end of this episode, but for VSK Tyrol, frankly, who's listening by now anyway? Uh, they have signed, however, Nikolai Frederiksen on loan from Juventus. Do we know anything about him? Uh, we don't know anything, but they have a partnership with Juventus because uh, their owner, Swarovski, sponsor Juventus and they have a link up of some sort because last season they had a player on loan also from Juventus and they played him in a friendly a couple of years ago as well so that explains the Juventus link but yeah I mean VSK Tirol fans I'm sorry but you're going to go down <laughs> I don't see any any hope any any decent players in that team and it's just yeah I don't know what do you guys think I think Tobias Anselm is an interesting one. Another young player that Lask have signed from the Red Bull Salzburg Youth Academy and then they've loaned out to get more experience. So Lask are trying to do this themselves and sort of Lask are trying to do a, a Salzburg and have their own little network across Austrian football. So Anselm's someone to look out for. But Tyrol, I mean, they're really going to struggle, aren't they? Gergic was one of their best players last season. He's gone to Lask. Svoboda has gone away to, to Venezia. What a cool move that is. Imagine playing for Venice. What a cool football team to play for. But uh, in general, I think it's going to be really difficult for them. There's still talk that Yeboah might leave as well, and he was one of the other exciting players. But on the positive side for VSG Tirol, they've got another shot at life in the Bundesliga, and they did go through in the Cup 3-1 against St. Anna im Eigen. St. Anna am Eigen. So uh, massive opening win for them. Can't wait to see what the new season brings us. But uh, from, from club football, if you're still brave enough to be with us at this point, let's move to Nations League, let's move to international football because it's not just the start of the Bundesliga season in the next couple of weeks, it's the start of the international calendar as well. 
Nations League is back. Austria are in a really interesting group with Norway, Romania and Northern Ireland. They're playing Norway and Romania in the next few days. Any interesting uh, players in the squad for you guys? Any surprises? Anything you're looking forward to seeing? I'm looking forward to, to seeing uh, Christoph Baumgartner in that squad. I've watched him quite a lot for, for Hoffenheim this season. In, in fact, I think in several months he's been their player of the month. He's been really impressive. Lots of goals, lots of assists. Looks very lively. So it's nice to see Franco Foda give him a chance. Uh, what about you? Well, on the Austrian side of things, uh, Monshine from Austria-Vienna did get a call-up in the end as well. A couple of uh, players from the Austrian Bundesliga. We know that uh, Franco Foda doesn't really like to call up players who are playing in Austria. We've seen that with uh, you know, players from further down the spectrum in Germany getting the call instead. But, uh, but yeah, Monshine is one who's definitely deserved a place in that, in that Austria camp. So, so good luck to him after a, a really stellar performance, you know, a, lone, a lone, lone star, if you will, at Austria Vienna last season for so much of that campaign. So he deserves that. Schlager again from Lask, the goalkeeper, he's in the squad. And uh, was it Reinhold Ranftel that got a call-up as well? I think he also got Nachnominiert, as they call it in, Germany, so in German. So uh, a late call-up. Yeah, a late call-up for, for somebody else's injury or, or somebody else pulling out because I believe Arnautovic wasn't selected and Alaba chose to turn down the call because he, uh, he'd only just played in the Champions League final. I think Arnautovic, because he's in China, he can't fly back. And Alaba, I think it was agreed between, between FC Bayern and uh, Foda that Alaba just needs a holiday. And he's on a holiday with Alfonso Davis right now, so hope he's enjoying that. <laughs> what about uh, Gerbic, Adrian Gerbic? This is a really interesting one. Adrian Gerbic is a player we don't cover much on the other Bundesliga podcast because he floats under the radar. He's been playing in France. He was in the second division in France last season, absolutely banging in the goals. He did such a good job. People were talking about signing him for sort of 10 to 15 million euros from, from Ligue 1. He ended up moving to Lorient and he started off his career with Lorient in the top division really well as well. Did you, maybe I'm imagining this, but did you use the, fa uh, the phrase flying under the radar there? Have you seen his unveiling video at Lorient in France? No, I haven't. So he basically, well, he didn't. I presume it was a stuntman, but somebody dived out of an aeroplane and landed at the Lorient ground, you know, as is, as is the, well, what do you call it? This seems to be what all the clubs are doing these days, some kind of outlandish uh, unveiling video, and his was jumping out of an aeroplane. A TikTok unveiling, probably. Well, can you imagine that, though? There's a player, there's an Austrian player who's big enough to have a, an unveiling where they jump out of an aeroplane, and we don't cover them on the other Bundesliga podcast. That is criminal. So, Adrian Gerbic, we are watching out for you in the Nations League. Uh, any, any thoughts looking ahead to those games? Uh, pretty interesting first couple of ties, Norway and Romania. I've, I've seen people online today making Austria the favourites for that group. I'm not quite so sure about that. They're, they're certainly not the, the runaway favourites, are they? I don't think so. I think this young Norway side, I mean, we're all familiar with uh, Holland, but there's Odegaard as well. There's a couple of other good young players in that team, so... Um, yeah, I don't think by any stretch of the imagination Austria are clear favourites, um, but I think they've got a, as good a chance as anyone else in that group. Just to, to add, there's also uh, some British interest in the group with Northern Ireland being the fourth team, uh, probably the weakest team as well. But um, I think Austria will be in the top two. It's going to be a duel between Norway and Austria for the top spot, I think. Yeah, it looks like a really close group to me. Before we round up for this uh, episode of the other Bundesliga podcast, kicking off the new season... Why don't we have a look to some of the questions? Because a lot of people reached out to us on social media with some questions. And I think let's, let's go around those in a quick far way. I know the outsiders, the outsiders, as, uh, as we call them. So this, this is the new English language Austrian news and current affairs podcast. Well worth following on Twitter. That's uh, T-Outsiders, T-A-U-T-Siders on Twitter. 
they asked us about the potential for the Austrian Bundesliga to be prepared for coronavirus this season. I know it's a difficult one to, to dive into, but just quickly, has anyone heard of anything that's sort of in place on that front? And, and how are we looking to start the Bundesliga off? Of course, Corona is definitely going to be a feature this season, no doubt about it. Yeah, there, there's going to be crowd limits, I believe. Um, crowds of 1,250 will be allowed. In the low leagues, it doesn't really matter. People are socially distancing. Uh, at the Wiener Stadtliga games we're going to, people are very socially distanced. But in the Bundesliga, I think it's going to be either 1,250 or 10% of the crowd. So for Rapid, they'll be up to two, two and a half thousand or whatever. But um, in terms of the coronavirus, how it will affect the league, I had a look and uh, it's quite confusing, but let, let me try and uh, take you through it. If there's an early termination of the league, there will be uh, zero promotions or relegations between the Bundesliga and Liga Spa. However, um, the teams in the regional leagues, this will be uh, adjudicated by the Austrian Fußballbund. The, the only things that really affect the league are the European places, and they're doing this in a quite interesting way. If the season ends between the 11th and the 21st round, then the league will, will, will revert back to the 11th round, because that's when all the teams have played each other once, so the half-time of the qualifying round. And, uh, and the end of the 22nd round will be used to allocate in, uh, the European places if the season is cancelled between match day 22 and 26. However, if there's a termination between the 27th and the 31st round, the status of the European places will go back to the 27th match day, if you can understand that. So basically, they're doing it in a sense that uh, when every team has played each other once, that will be the official European places. But in terms of uh, a title being decided, uh, I don't think there would be a champion. Yeah, good to have at least some consistency before the start of the season and uh, looking at the fact that, uh, yeah, they're trying to keep it so that everybody's played each other. I, I respect that, and I think it's good to have this going into the season that everybody knows it at least. Harlow Globetrotter on Twitter asked about uh, Red Bull Salzburg and uh, they said, if Red Bull Salzburg were not in the league, who would be your favourites to win it this season? Uh, either Rapid or Lask. I would say Lask. I think you mentioned earlier that Lask were really the best, the second best team in the league last season and it was only by virtue of their points deduction that Rapid finished second. I think they've strengthened uh, with a young core, a young spine of their team, new manager as well. I think they're definitely favourites. If you probably look around to Rapid, Lask and Wolfsburg, I believe that Lask have probably got the most exciting and most interesting summer transfer window uh, in terms of signings from those sides. So yeah, I'll go for Lask as well. Alec James asked about teams in the Cup. Any teams to look out for in the Cup this year besides FC Pinskow? Well, FC Pinskow are not in the Cup, Alec. Unfortunately, they got kind of done over by the local football federation in Salzburg and uh, they used the previous season's results, like two seasons back, to, to decide which of those teams from Pinskow's regional league went into the Cup. So Pinskow are not in the Cup, but uh, who are you watching out for in the Cup? I think the, the Bundesliga teams... Uh fared so comfortably in the in the opening round that it's hard to look beyond them. Perhaps, uh, you know, one team in the lower leagues might put together a good run, but you'd expect Salzburg to continue their dominance of, what would it be, seven cups in nine years or something crazy like that. I, I would expect them to, to win it again. Yeah, the Bundesliga team has won 43-5 in the, the, their games, in the 10 games they played. I think a resurgent Sturm Graz to Austria-Vienna could go relatively far this season. I mean, It'd be fun to, to see two clubs that, that flattered to deceive last season go on a good cup run and maybe get to the final in Klagenfurt. So we'll see about that. Yeah, the 94th minute asked about uh, European group stages and, and European qualifiers. We've kind of covered a lot of that already, but uh, thanks very much for, for throwing in the question. Hope we've already answered that for you. Thomas Muck 
uh, gave us three questions. That's a lot. That's greedy, Thomas. Come on now. Um, the one that I like the best from this is, how and who can replace Stefan Schwab as captain at Rapid Vienna? Thoughts on this? They started with Dejan, uh, Dejan Lubicic at the beginning of this uh, sort of summer season. He stepped in well, but uh, is there anyone, you know, is it, is it an impossible job to replace Stefan Schwab when you've got no money to sign anybody? I think Lubicic is as good a replacement as they can get at the moment. But Schwab was such a talismanic figure. He, he truly embodied the fighting spirit of Rapid, and I don't think it's possible to replace him, really. But, but Lubicic is, is a decent replacement. Yeah, Rapid more exciting on the youth front, really, than, than in terms of sort of established captains. I think Lubicic is a smart move, though. You know, he was sort of frozen out. He wanted away from the club. It looked like he was going to leave talented player looked like he was going to go to the MLS could have brought in three or four million for Rapid but in their current situation I think sort of bringing him back in from the cold and making him captain is probably about as smart as they could do because it's almost like a new signing for for Rapid in a way having Lubicic back in that midfield role so uh, I hope he does well this season. Peter Stürger and Austria can he bring the Violets back to the top of the table where, where do you uh, where do your opinions lie Lee on, on Peter Stürger and, and his chances at Austria this season? I just don't think the squad has enough quality fundamentally. Um, it's interesting because he's now been brought in for this dual role of coach and sporting director, which they call their Englishers model over here. So uh, more of like a, a manager in England, but here a combined coach and sporting director. I really just don't think they have enough, to be honest. I don't think it's a question of who's in charge as the coach, because I'm sure if that was the case, Christian Ilse would have done a, a good job last season. So that's about that for the questions. Before we wrap it up for the podcast, Simon is going to leave us with some news of some, uh, some cup sets and some, some giant killings in the first round of the UFB Cup. We did have uh, many Bundesliga sides winning comfortably, but elsewhere in the first round of the Cup, there were a couple of games of note. Why don't you wrap those up for us, Simon? Yeah, I, th I think the biggest game of note was uh, 2004 5 Austrian champions. 2004 Austrian champions Grazer AK were eliminated by, were eliminated by SV Seekirchen of the regional league of Salzburg. They lost 1-0. It was a uh, yeah, that was probably the biggest shock of the round. Uh, and mentioning that um, Rebel Salzburg and Altac haven't played their games yet because of COVID uh, situations. There were positive tests in the Sportsweiss Brigens team and I believe in the Altac team as well. So uh, those games will be played very shortly. So we'll look forward to those two games. And there's also plenty of others looking, for this, uh, looking through the fixture list. But a shout out to First Vienna, our, one of our favorite teams here in Vienna. They beat, they're in the fourth tier and they beat third tier FC Marchfeld, Mansdorf, Gross Enzersdorf. <laughs> FC Marchfeld, Mansdorf, Gross Enzersdorf, 4-0. Uh, so they will be in round two. So fair play to First Vienna. Absolute dreamland for First Vienna. Well, that'll do for our first episode of the season for the other Bundesliga podcast. Uh, a real look at all of the teams involved this season. Can't wait to be back with all the action after the Bundesliga starts off in a couple of weeks' time. Thanks very much for joining us on this episode of the other Bundesliga podcast. Uh, we hope to have you with us for the rest of this Austrian football season. If you've enjoyed this episode, tweet us at Other Bundesliga and let us know what you want to hear in future episodes. All music on the Other Bundesliga appears courtesy of Gabriel Geber at Tongeber Studios. For something completely different, why not check out The Amelia Project, an audio fiction podcast co-produced in Vienna.